up, guys? Welcome to uh, yet another Zane's World. It's been a while. Over here on my side here is uh, Marcus Lucas, guest appearing. I am a guest, yes. Yes, you are. Um, so today I'm going to talk a little bit about Marvel's Civil War and how it's going to play out and a little bit of the idea of what the film's going to try and strive for. Um, spoiler alert, I know nothing. Exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of a good thing because it allows me to kind of bounce some stuff off of you. And I get to ask questions that some of you might have because exactly. you also know nothing. Which or is fantastic. you know something. One of the two. Yeah, something. <laughs> so to give you the very easy summarized version of the original storyline, um, there's a big event. Basically, the idea is that the act of superheroing causes, uh, has causality. You have a, you know cause and effect, something happens, and the eventual the eventuality of it is that people get tired of world-ending events happening in their city. I mean, you know. It happens It happens in every, The Incredibles. Exactly. Like, that's a good example, too. And actually, that's kind of the takeoff is very similar, and they handled it very differently. It's also very similar to The Watchmen. Um, this, this kind of idea of, like, the government having to stepping in and handling It's time for their secret identities become their only identity yeah that's the famous line from that uh the watchman had very similar setup and, and follow through um much darker and grimmer kind of appeal but same yeah i mean there's there's a guy who is literally a deity in that one but yeah, anyway that's, that's true he becomes one um but in this basically what happens is um one of the minor teams named the uh, new warriors who actually have a reality tv show at the time um go and try to crash a bunch of villains who are in hideout they're hiding out in a small town in connecticut um, what they don't know, and the thing that they're very, it shows that they're very inexperienced, is that they just rush in. Um, the fact of the matter is, is that one of the, the villains hiding out in this location, his name is Nitro, and he's always been able to just blow up and stay a lot, you know, just one of those guys who can self-combust and, and cause destruction. Um, well, in this storyline, he's been dosing up with uh, mutant growth hormone, which is not much different than what you'd expect you know, athletes using human growth hormone or similar. Uh, Basically, it's steroids for mutants. Yeah, or in this case, steroids for people with powers, period. Um, they can use the mutant genome to enhance their own power in this sense. Hmm. Um, so he's capable of a lot larger explosions than normally. Normally, he can just sort of like, you know, explode and cause a small amount of destruction. You know, a house. Sm exactly, you know. small, small amounts. Uh, in this case, he blows up several hundred yard radius and it annihilates like a school and a bunch of other people. I think the ca the casualties were somewhere like around like 500 or something like that um, total, most of which were students because it was next to the school where he blew Oops. up. And he also killed one of the hero that was right up against him, trying to take him down at the time. Um, needless to say, public outcry blames the heroes for uh, acting too quickly without knowing the situation and being very reckless. Um, so Tony Stark and Steve Rogers realize, you know, this is all coming to a head. Like this is all starting to happen. Like people are going to be upset. Sure enough, uh, people petition towards their, uh, senators to push forward on some form of registration. And so lo and behold, we have the superhero registration act. Um, uh, Tony Stark decides to head up the act because his years of being a drunk superhero kind of made him feel guilty, and he kind of projects that across the superhero community. Um, in turn, Rogers, who was a volunteer hero, to so to speak, you know, he volunteered for everything he did, and he did it out of the kindness, out of, out of his heart. He's kind of against the Registration Act because then he's forced, you know, it forces people to either go underground, 
which makes them criminals, forces them to either go back to their, their normal life and then they're not helping people or it forces them to give up their full identity and it puts their families at greater risk because while, yes, police, firemen, all that stuff have to kind of appeal to that public opinion and, and that public scrutiny, the threats they usually handle don't warrant the kind of destruction and violence that supervillains kind of warrant. And so Rogers understands that many small-time heroes, Spider-Man, Daredevil, characters like that, likely will not do this. And then he kind of spearheads the counter-movement. He escapes from S.H.I.E.L.D., um, tells them basically, no, I'm not going to stand with you guys. This is wrong, forcing people to do this. People who do superheroing are volunteers by nature. Um, just mm-hmm. an interjection there. It's my assumption that everybody knows that Steve Rogers is Captain America. Yeah, everyone's fully aware of that. Okay, so we have the two sides of the coin as far as Tony and Stark. Everyone knows, everyone knows Tony Stark exactly. is Iron Man. Everyone knows Steve Rogers mm-hmm. is Captain America. Um. As far as anybody else, I'm not sure that anybody else is super public with it. There's but. not a lot. The ones that have been former government agents, obviously, they're the ones who are well-known, or at least known that publicly. Um, but the big reveal, and this is important to note, is that up until this point, Spider-Man had been anonymous, completely and utterly anonymous. No one knew who he was, and he wanted to keep it that way because MJ and Aunt May. Like, he wanted to make sure they were safe, and that was his number one priority. Stark at this point kind of has Peter as his uh, at his beck and call kind of as an assistant and also his protege and he even gives him a spider armor it's that red and gold one that you've seen around probably just through the internet just because it's out there Um, and it's been enhanced by his technological prowess it has small capabilities so that like say if he's in an area where he's up high and then suddenly there's no buildings to swing on it has glide technology so at least he can open up his arms and safely get to the ground without dying or it has uh, enhanced vision, so he has binocular vision with it, a bunch of other stuff. Um, small arms fire protection, so he can take actually like slugs from a bullet, like a, a nine millimeter, et cetera, kind of handgun size. Um, but he uh, gets convinced by Stark to reveal himself to the public. And so he goes on a big press thing and actually reveal, wears his original costume because he wants to make the full statement. And his first statement is something along the lines of like, you know, I'm Peter Parker, and I've been Spider-Man since I was 15. Just puts it right out there in the face of everyone. Let's it be known he's the first one kind of to reveal this to the public. Um, now then, that being that being said, most registering heroes that do go through registration just have to reveal themselves to the government, and that's it. There's no need to like reveal yourself to the actual public. Um and that's kind of where that story goes. And then basically, like, you have the two different sides. You have the sides of the heroes that want to stay against this movement and keep doing heroing, but they don't want to reveal themselves at all. They don't want any of that. I can see both sides of the argument, you know. Yeah. It protects your loved ones, but at the same time, it also protects you from getting charged for damages. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, we have to weigh the cost and, and, and effect kind of exactly. thing, you know, because... The Hulk is kind of like an anti-hero. And I mean, he's a, he's a pretty terrible example, well, but at the same time, if you think about the right. Hulk, like, if everybody knew who the Hulk was, you know, would they try to imprison him? Probably not. But if He's off-world at this point, by the way. But what, what, I'm, what yeah, I mean yeah. is, I'm just the fact that the Hulk can save the day. Yeah. And there are times that only the Hulk can save the day. Mm-hmm. But the Hulk is also going to break a lot of stuff. Well, and here's another kind of niche character, is the Punisher. He's a former government agent. He were, he was a Marine. He idolizes Captain America. 
he guns down mob families. Constant revenge cycle of him just feeling like he's helping other people by killing these mob families off. I mean, that's kind of his thing. It's just gangsters and mob families he's always killing off. Anti-hero for sure, because he kills. Just outright murders them. Heck, there's a portion of the storyline where he joins up with Steve Rogers and them, and he actually breaks into the opposing side's uh, like database or something like that. And when he comes back, a couple of villains have sided with Steve Rogers and the uh, the new Avengers, so to speak, the group that's underground. And the moment he sees them, he just kills them both in cold blood. And then Rogers, being the kind of person he is, frowning upon that kind of behavior in, ter- in terms of like cold-bloodedness, um, just beats the living shit out of of uh, Frank Castle, just completely leaves him bloody. And the one thing that like he keeps yelling at him is like, "Hit me back, hit me back, hit me back." And Frank Castle says, "Not you. You're the only person I will never attack." That's how much he respects the the guy, and that's kind of like a, a an inner portion of that storyline that really kind of digs at you a little bit of like, this guy's cold blooded. Clearly is. But he has a strong sense of justice. And and yeah, even though like his morals are muddy, he's very justice minded and he, he agrees with the mentality of like it's it's he's he's yeah. almost like I mean Darius, he's a better version of, of Ghost Rider. Like Yeah, I mean Ghost Rider Ghost, Ghost Rider's Rider always like, been I'm gonna I'm gonna kill you with the pennant stare. But yeah, you know, Ghost Rider has, well, has ironically that. enough, Frank Castle's the only person who have ever survived the pennant stare. Because he has no regrets over his behavior. That's how committed he is to his crusade against these like criminal masterminds of sorts. But yeah, like I said, I can I can understand mm-hmm. somebody not wanting to reveal their true identity because of the fact like yeah. in the Punisher's case, like just like the Hulk, he can save the day, mm-hmm. but shit's gonna go down. Yeah. And you don't want to turn around and have, you know, the family of said mob or whatever yeah. sue the government for not pressing charges against you someone know, like Frank, Frank Castle. Castle. But yeah, still, that's it's, that's intense. That, that yeah. that's a hard decision to make. Yeah, because if you think of it as the government, say you step mm-hmm. into the government's shoes, stepping up to the plate on the fact that like you know the Hulk, mm-hmm. maybe he wasn't the only one who could have done it. Yeah, you know, um, Captain America, he tends to keep destruction to as much of a minimum, minimum as, as possible. possible yeah um tony stark does not so if we compare the two tony stark while he does have the money to just throw at you yeah. know the fact oops i launched this rocket to take down this bad guy and it took down a building instead yep he has the money to replace that mm-hmm. um captain america does not exactly um even if even if you really wanted to get into it um captain america died in duty died so 70 yeah. years that he's frozen right yep 70 years that he's frozen even if he collected the captain pay mm-hmm. um which back in the well and what's funny is he was part of the army and the armies don't have captains at all that's not a rank in their military structure so his is an honorary title his he's, is an honorary title he's but the army is still the, a private the army certainly does have captains but not at the time not at 1944 which no, is when no. he was appointed captain True. role but but um even at the quote-unquote captain pay, any of you want to step it down and say sergeant. Uh, a sergeant's mm-hmm. pay around those times was probably somewhere around uh, around the lines of five to $600 a month. Now, even if you wanted to hold on to that and up it through whatever, through yeah, 70 yeah. years, Captain Rogers 
Just still looking at around well, maybe $2 million. Yeah. And that's something they don't really touch on or address in that sense. But he's he's owed a lot. And so they just sort of, the government's always fronted him on everything. Yeah, exactly. On everything he does. Which is which is good. But what I'm saying is, yeah. is even after 70 years of collecting, you know, soldiers mm-hmm. pay. Yeah, yeah. If they gave it to him, which, you know, probably they didn't. He died. Yeah, yeah. They're not going to keep putting that into a bank account. No. Mm-hmm. Even if they did, Captain Rogers could not replace a single thing. I mean, you know, if he accidentally takes down the building because he reflects a beam off of his shield and it slices a building in half. um, What happens if somebody decides to press charges? Because, well, and see, so this story is less about that form of scrutiny. The thing that it focuses most heavily on is incarceration. That's like ninety nine point nine percent of the story is the incarceration angle. Yeah, that, that's what I was getting to. Um, like Frank, Frank being charged mm-hmm. with murder. Yeah, because yeah. he murdered these people. Yep. There is no getting around the fact that he murdered these people. Yeah. But do we want the Punisher? We're sitting and rotting in jail when you know now that they know that the Punisher's in jail, mm-hmm. crime's gonna run up. Well, and see, that's the thing. Like this storyline is so interesting because there's so many heroes still siding on the side of registration. Almost every one of the the genius level intellects. Because Reed Richards is a futurist, um, so is Stark, and so is Hank Pym. Those are the th- biggest three minds in all of the Marvel comics. At Who's continuity. the last one? Um, Hank Pym. Yeah. Uh, Ant Man, the original Ant Man. Ah, gotcha. Giant Go. Man, etc. He's had a history of that stuff, but uh. Three biggest minds, period, yeah. in all of Marvel. And they all agree that going the way they are, if they don't do this, the world will end, basically. Like, it'll just go into mass chaos. You know, people will be up against, you know, up in arms against heroes, and they don't want that. So they're trying to curb that by by self-policing, essentially. Yeah. Makes sense. And a lot of heroes do side with them. Um, then you have your few, like Black Panther, who run their own country, Wakanda, and who stay removed out of it. Like, they get asked if they want to be involved. The X-Men, too. The X-Men stay removed. They're like, no, this is... We've been fighting for a different... We've been fighting for this same right this whole time. Mutant rights. We've been told we've been, we're going to register for so long. And, yeah, we're not getting in on the superhero act, too, now. Like, most of our people that remain, because this is after another event that wiped out most of their populace, the, like, 192 remaining, they have no interest of getting in on this little civil war that's going on. So it develops. Um, turns out the three geniuses, Reed Richards, Hank Pym, and Tony Stark, actually created a, a life model decoy, which is a uh, human-like robot that uses genetic material from the original creation. Um, they made a version of Thor, because Thor is also off-world. So they have their own little robot clone Thor, who straight up murders one of uh, Roger's team, the... Uh, successor to the Goliath role, which is one of Hank Pym's many aliases. Um, turns out also when someone dies at that size, they can't shrink back down. So they had to bury uh, like a, a man about the size of like two football fields. But Stark fronted that bill because he felt bad about it. But uh, there's like a bunch of stuff like that that go on in the storyline, a bunch of like really fucked up moral shit in it. Um, the, I mean, hell, um, again, the big smart three... Uh, resort to uh, chipping villains with an implant that will electrocute them or uh, kill them if they disobey. So, like, you know, stun to uh, 
tell them like, hey, you're you're doing something wrong. And then like the threat is that if you really continue to do something wrong, we're blowing your head up. So they have to like work for the government essentially. And so they actually use them against some of these other heroes, which really stoops to a level of really dark moral gray area of like, that's pretty fucked up shit to just say these criminals are now implanted with a microchip that will either electrocute them or kill them if they disobey. Sounds so familiar. Where, where have I heard that? I know. I mean, it's it's almost like they're sent on, uh, what are those missions called? Right, suicide missions. Oh, it's the same kind of thing. It's, it's, the, it's, exact the, it's the lead up to uh, the newer version of the Thunderbolts, which are the, the Marvel version of the Suicide Squad. It's the same exact. Both comic companies use the same formats. The only reason why I appreciate Marvel's more is that uh, they tend to have more, uh, much stronger origins. Just a side note to my preference. Um, the origin stories are a little bit more feasible in the realm of they use science rather than. Uh, Ooh, spooky magic. So this guy came from a planet from far away and he just suddenly has all these powers because he's in different radiation. Like, they've tried to justify the, the original DC comic stuff over the years, but the reality is that the source material was weak in 1920s and 30s in America. They just didn't think much about the origin strengths because they were like, oh, these are for kids, no worries. And in the 60s, they were like, you know what? We should actually write some stuff that has some substance. And so the origins tend to be founded in much more of a scientific background. Which in the 60s, isn't that when uh, all the different types of kryptonite came out? Well, that's because uh, radiation was big. And so they were like, let's take one piece of kryptonite and turn it into like seven. Yeah, you know, different different types. And it it also added to, you know, different variations Mm -hmm. in the stories. But regardless, regardless what you were saying, I I, I agree with you. There there was a very big gap. this air makes me strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly that whole thing. So that's so yes, the, the they would launch a version of the Thunderbolts under threat that eventually become a real team that's just like the Suicide Squad in the sense of like you're working off years of your sentence by working for us thing. So and it cascades, it, it creates a bunch of storylines for on its own. But um, yeah, so that's kind of the idea. They also go to the negative zone, which is uh, featured in the awful movie Fantastic. That came out this past summer, but uh, the negative zone is I a still zone that seen it. Good. <laughs> um, the negative zone is a zone that oh, who was it? I think it was uh, Reed Richards. The Fantastic Four, their powers, right? In the <laughs> Ultimate Universe, in the Ultimate Universe, yes. But it's a, an area that Reed Richards discovers after becoming, you know, fantastic. Um, Mister Elastic. Yeah, Mister Elastic. Mister Assface. Yeah. If you want to go with the normal McDonald joke, but. Uh, <laughs> So, in this zone, it's usually ruled by a, a guy named Annihilus, um, and like his original, uh, yeah, I know, right? And uh, his, uh, I forget what they're called. Like, it, it's just basically like a legion of hive-minded insect men. But okay, for whatever reason, they're just not there right now. I forgot if maybe the Fantastic Four drove them off, or the combined efforts of all the smartest people in the world drove them off but basically they have the room to build a super jail essentially it's like this uh, next world removed from ours humongous prison where they model every single jail after every single hero that resists the movement it gets incarcerated um so they're going on like a a global ending kind of fucked up shit level scale of like oh you're not going to work for us well then lock you up until you say yes no trial no convictions just locked up immediately Kind of a, a, a superhero version of Guantanamo Bay. Yeah, that's okay. So, as the story progresses, the intentions of these three 
marvelous heroes becomes questionable because as time goes on, they become much more moral gray and much more more slowly morally black in a way um, because their intentions are great, but you know you know what they say about good intentions. Well, that's storyline for this. Um, it all cultivates into a big brawl in the middle of Times Square. You know, hero versus hero. Somewhere along the way, about halfway through the storyline, Spider-Man switched sides too and removed, like, made his family go on the run. And he's helping Steve Rogers because Steve Rogers had an amazing little speech about. He used a, a, a quote from Mark Twain about how patriotism does not mean pledging yourself to your government, but to your country, even when you're the last person standing, being defiant in the face of tyranny. And suddenly, like. Peter's like, okay, yeah, I, this is much more, this feels right being on this side. But uh, it all cultivates into a big brawl in Times Square between every hero and the storyline. Um, fighting between Captain America and Iron Man very directly. Um, Steve Rogers, with his all of his super strength, actually can pretty much hurt Tony inside of his suit just fine. And he actually get, beats him down using his tactical prowess to the point where he's about to deliver the finishing blow and killing Tony. Then he looks around him, sees the destruction and devastation all around him, and turns himself in. Tells everyone on his team to stand down because he's realized he's let it go too far. He's realized that this is what they were afraid of happening. Um, yeah, it's one of those profound storylines and actually leads up to the biggest thing, one of the best storylines. It even won an Eisner Award. But it's the death of Captain America because... Then they'd send him to trial, and when he's walking up the trial steps to face this this whole thing down, um, he sees a laser sight pinned from uh, a sniper across the way on a police officer that's walking in front of him. He's not just going to let the police officer take bullets, so he shoves the guy out of the way, takes the shot in the shoulder, which wouldn't normally hurt him very badly. But then he gets shot in the gut twice, and it's not really revealed till halfway through the storyline as to who it was, and it's actually the woman he loves, Agent 13, who was actually revealed in the most recent Captain America film of the second one, who was the agent that was down the hall from him, observing and trying to protect him. So that we know she's in this storyline too, but uh, she's actually hypnotized by one of Red Skull's agents into killing Captain America on the steps. This was a whole ploy. They knew that if they targeted the police officer, Roger would take the hit. And then when he's in that wounded state, it makes him most vulnerable. And she doesn't even know until way later. And she starts suffering <coughs> psychological duress until, like, finally, like, it, the memory snaps and she can remember what she did. Huge storyline that resulted in one of the dumbest ways for him to come back. But that whole profound lead up was intense and amazing. So I actually do think. Oh, can you actually unlock that real quick? Um, so I actually think that um, Cap will not die from this storyline but will wind up uh, dying at the end of the next Avengers film which will come after all this stuff I think they'll kind of give that breadth of separation in that but I do think that that will happen in that format because the, the fallout of it was that Bucky became Cap and that's what they've kind of set up in the film and through the contracts um, Sebastian Stan who plays Bucky Barnes is set up for nine films. He's only done two now with a cameo for, in Ant-Man. Um, he'll be obviously in his third with uh, Captain America Civil War. That's been revealed. And then he'll have six more from there. 
three more Cap films, three more Avenger films, more than likely. Um, with all that being said, though, um, I think that since the films are going to have to embrace a different mentality around their heroes, the only heroes that aren't known are Black... Well, Black Panther's going to be revealed probably pretty early on, more than likely. Um, Ant-Man, we don't know, or at least the public doesn't know. Right. That's so far the only one. Um, I don't think the public really knows Vision, but they've seen Vision, and not like he really has a secret identity. He just is. He just is. Um, yeah, because Thor's out. Everyone Do knows they know? who Thor. Do they know who Hulk is, though? It won't matter. He's going to be in the wind. Okay. Uh, they removed him by just like at the end of Avengers 2 when he was like, I'm going Hawkeye away. Is. He's a government agent. So, yes, he's... Oh, he's, so the government already... Okay, so we're talking about government Well, knowing. government known and generally publicly known because the way the Avengers have a, a public face, most of the heroes that are contracted to the government, Black Widow and... Well, actually, no, the public does know. Remember when Black Widow actually released all public files or all, all files to the public at the end of Captain America 2. Um, so everyone knows who Hawkeye and Black Widow are. Everyone. It's all out there on the internet. So most of that stuff is all public knowledge. So there's not really any much, anything that can be hidden. So the, the thing isn't about uh, those identities. It's actually about government oversight in this film. Um, they've already kind of said that's the direction they're going, is the idea okay. of government oversight. Is that the issue? Um, yeah, because I mean, they try to avoid that in Captain America too. I mean, exactly. Like, um, they did the whole espionage thing, and it was actually really great. So I'm stoked for this film. But uh, they swapped out the nitro explosion, obviously, because there's no nitro, there's no mutants, so that's not the storyline. Instead, they're going with uh, Crossbones, who is a known associate of the Red Skull. Um, we actually met him in Captain America two. He's the guy that uh, Falcon fights on that like. I don't know, 42nd floor or whatever. And then he leaps out of the window and leaving the guy in there to burn. Well, when he gets covered in those burns, like that's the last time we see him in that form because then he comes back as the mercenary crossbones, who is pretty much how you sound, how he sounds like slightly enhanced human mercenary. But uh, he suicide bombs. And when they try to get him away from civilians, they actually push him towards a building, causing more destruction by accident because um, Scarlet Witch is untrained. And so they kind of focus on that for the film. We know that much about the movie. It's not like a ton of stuff, but we know the lead up, the setup. Um, we also know the teams for the film. The The split is that... Uh, where is it? Um, do, 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 do. Trying to remember all these. So in this film, we have, here we go. Cap's team includes, obviously, the Falcon. Yeah. Um, Bucky, Cap, you know, Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier. We have uh, Hawkeye. We have Agent 13, you know, the female uh, that lived down the hall. And then uh, last but not least, we have Ant-Man. And that's on Cap's team. That's the underground hidden team that's going to be much more espionage-based. And it works because you have... I mean, Ant-Man makes the perfect sense for this team. They're going to be mostly underground, staying away from government, like all that stuff. Now then, over on Tony's team, you're going to have Black Widow. You're going to have Iron Man... Or, sorry, War Machine. Um, Black Panther. He's going to side because he wants Wakanda to be friendly with the U.S. And so it makes sense for him to be teamed up on that team. And the Vision. Meanwhile, Scarlet Witch is going to be incarcerated because she's the one that tried to levitate the guy away. And yeah, she's the, the essentially the causality for the explosion and the whole event. So 
It's going to be very limited. I don't think it's going to be quite nearly as profound. I do think we're going to have a lot of the fight scenes very similar, but possibly smaller. It should be interesting to see because we're going to see things like Falcon versus War Machine. You're going to see things like Ant-Man versus The Vision because you're going to have someone who changes size versus someone who changes density. Um, I think you're going to wind up having like Black Panther face off against uh, Bucky, honestly. Because Black Panther has the abilities very similar to Captain America, but they're derived from a plant that grows in Wakanda only. And then, last but not least, obviously we're going to have Cap versus Iron Man. And these are going to be the fights. I think that's how they're going to wind up playing out. It just makes the most sense to me in how it's structured. Um, and then, obviously, Agent 13 versus Black Widow. But we might see some fun little Hawkeye versus Black Widow stuff because they're on opposing sides in this conflict. And it kind of makes sense because, I mean, Hawkeye has the family. He wants to and keep it, safe. It, it also makes sense in the sense of uh, Black Widow in this mm-hmm. particular continuity released this information. So if she turned around and said that she didn't want them to register, exactly. it would basically be spitting in the face yeah. of the public. So <clears throat> I'm glad that they kept her up. At the same time, you know, it kind of it kind of sucks because mm-hmm. if the Hulk were there and everybody didn't know that Bruce Banner was the Hulk, mm-hmm. because that hasn't really been discussed. Yeah. Um, they just know the Hulk exists. They don't really know how he gets to be where he is. Exactly. But I, I think if the Hulk were there, and it, well, and it, Thor's it was, out of the picture too. Well, so your two powerhouses are already out of the picture in this film, which will be interesting to see because they're off. I don't know about power. I, I get what I get where you're going with that, but at the same time, I mean, they are the, literally the two strongest characters. Yes. So, so they're, they're the two power wise. The, the, the two heavy hitters exactly I, I, okay yeah, yeah. but so as far as powerhouse it, the the driving force is what i think whenever you say powerhouse mm-hmm. so that's why i want to clear that but like i was saying if bruce were still around bruce would side with captain america oh guaranteed because he wants to stay underground exactly yeah, yeah. which means i also think thor though would be on iron man's side because i agree because thor has no qualms about being known yeah. and he understands the idea of order not only that, Thor also has, you know, Asgard to think of, and he has pretty much everybody registered there, too. To be fair to the comics, every time Thor and Hulk go out of the picture, Tony and, and Steve fight every time. That's just, I don't know why that's a thing, but it's always a thing. It's like Thor and Hulk kind of balance everything out and yeah, make because you have agreeable. So, so in, in Tony Stark's mind, Captain America is an idiot. He's not a very well-educated man. He's not. Mm-hmm. He's, you know very well he's tactically sound exactly but he doesn't have the the thought process to think super far in the future exactly like tony does but bruce does bruce is a genius in his own right yeah he's definitely the fourth smartest man he has his strength lying in radiation obviously exactly but so you have the two sides thor is not by any means an idiot no but he's also not quite the most smart Yeah. yeah so so you have on both sides you have the one who mm-hmm. is, you know, just battle born. Yeah, yeah. And then you have the one who is super intelligent. Now, with that, you know, you obviously get that Captain America and Tony Stark don't really have any special powers. I mean, Captain America has the physical augmentation, yep. but Tony Stark it has makes up for what he doesn't have in physical augmentation mm-hmm. with technological augmentation. Exactly. But the other two have, you know, quote powers. unquote abilities. They have yeah. powers. Yeah. yeah. So So this film I'm I'm very interested in because so far, the only ones that actually have like actual ability abilities, I would say, are Vision and Ant Man. 
because otherwise you have a bunch of people that just have a large skill set, a very vast skill set. Ant-Man, isn't it the suit that makes him able yeah, to... Yeah, but at the end of the day, he's the only one that can like utilize an actual like ability that physically alters the battle. Okay, I see what you're saying for, for this movie... Because he'll also be able. The other thing that they they've talked about is that he's also going to be the giant man persona. Like he's going to be able to do both, just like he does in most of the cartoons, where he'll shrink down, or he'll grow to like sixty feet tall. Both work. Vision, he can go intangible, which means he can pass through stuff, or he can go super dense, which allows him super strength, like on par with like almost Hulk strength. So you're talking about two characters that have the ability to both get into small places or get into places, or crush something that's not what much like everyone else on the teams have agility and technical prowess of some kind i mean falcon can fly and he also has a look a little mini drone they, they replaced his bird from the, the cartoons and the comics with a drone that he can control and allows him to see just like in the comics his power set was that in the comics that he could see through the eyes of his his bird named Redbird, which was his his companion in this case, they're replacing it with a drone, and it just interlaces on his, his goggles, giving a very grounded, realistic, real-world feel. Wonderful. Exactly. Obviously, Hawkeye and Black Widow have very similar training, but different weapon choices, batons versus uh, a bow. And then you have Agent 13, who's just very much an, a regular S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, nothing too special there. You also have, uh, you have the military mind and power set of... Uh, War Machine, which is the same as Iron Man, but with a super cannon on his shoulder, essentially. And then you have uh, Black Panther, who's essentially a Captain America in terms of skill set, uh, abilities, strength, and agility. So I'm very interested to see all that stuff because they're also in this film dropping Spider-Man into the mix still, even though he's not going to have a driving role in this film in the sense of what he had in the original storyline. He was very much that like game-changer character. Um, in this, he's going to be 15, he's probably just going to have powers like recently just obtained. And he's going to be the only character in the film with actually like unnatural abilities, so to speak. Other than obviously Scarlet Witch. Yeah. Which well, obviously she's also being removed in her own right. Like she's introduced and then removed. Um, Peter is going to be introduced in the sense of like, I'm sure they're not going to do a real origin with him. I bet you though, what they'll do is a report that like Stark and Rogers will be going over will say something about how he got his powers and it'll just be in conversation. They'll be like, so what is he? Well, it looks like a uh, science lab accident gave him the abilities like a spider. What the hell does that mean? And then like, that, there you Move go. On. Boom. Yeah. Um, from that though, he will be our window into the philosophies of these two heroes. I think he'll be introduced early on and given a very like window into, okay, Rogers is like this and Stark is like this. And allow it, especially and for a as smart, mentors, yeah. Well, especially as a, as a smart young, exactly young person in, in general, exactly. he he's easily influenced by the people around him. Yep. But he's also intelligent enough to recognize certain features. So mm-hmm. so yeah, it, actually, if if they do it that way, that would and I think they will. Really good. And I think they're gonna stay away from making him get involved. I think they will very much stay away from that. Um, I think what they'll do is, like I said, they'll introduce him. They'll allow him to meet two 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 main heroes. And also be like, you know, um, something along the lines of like, you have a great future ahead of you. Um, you just got to be careful of what you choose to do with that. That being said, they won't, you know, Uncle Ben will still give him that speech, the great power speech. But uh, yeah, those two will That's probably give him comes great responsibility. Some, exactly. 
don't know why Sean Connery now. I would love if Sean Connery played Uncle Ben for this. That would be amazing. I don't think I'd be into that, but I'd love I, to I'd, see a deleted <laughs> scene with that. That would be hilarious. <laughs> be amazing. Even even if even if it's just like a flashback and you just see, you oh know, my God. He, he, you just see him like raise his mojito. <laughs> <laughs> Mojitos now. Um, I mean, that was his response. <laughs> Truth. But yeah, so like all that's going to be involved. I think it's interesting because there's no Reed Richards. There's Stark. There is Hank Pym, but Hank Pym hates Stark. That was introduced in the Ant-Man movie. Um, I still haven't seen I it. I know. But when you do, you'll see that. Like he very much hates S.H.I.E.L.D. He hates Stark. He thinks Stark is pompous. He hates S.H.I.E.L.D. because they're espionage, essentially. Like that's where his beliefs come from. And then he makes a suit that can shrink you down to literally be the fly on the wall. Well, actually what's funny is uh, him and his wife from that film... Um, who is deceased, actually, they just don't, like, she shrunk beyond molecules, essentially, um, to the, the quantum level. But uh, the, the the brief storyline in that is that basically they were former S.H.I.E.L.D. agents back in the early days 70s of S.H.I.E.L.D. and 80s, so, like, the middle point of S.H.I.E.L.D. life. Um, Before it actually got corrupted. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe, hell, it could have been corrupted at that point, really, if we want to get At technical. least beginning to. Yeah. Because, yeah, you're right, because after the war, they recruited the german scientists who yep. continued to work go watch agents of shield there's a lot on that stuff in there um but uh yeah so like i'm very intrigued um i don't want anyone to get any false expectations of this film it will not be the storyline from the comics i do think we will have a big battle in probably Times square because that's just uh like that image of like them panning around in new york back in the first film it'll be very similar and reminiscent of that but it'll be them fighting each other as opposed to them standing together. And that I think it's going to contrast that imagery very well. Um, I think at its core, this film will be a spy movie. Um, I think it will be essentially James Bond in the sense of like, you have, you have two now super they teams. have to put Sean Connery in there. <sighs> <laughs> oh, man. But uh, yeah, like I really do think this film will be better than the second cap film which was which was pretty decent i loved the second that's probably it's one of my top i i, I can't the 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 whole like kind of tension love interest thing between black widow and captain america really pissed me off <laughs> i saw it as just friendship because i knew that's what it was i knew cap had no feelings towards her whatsoever and you can see it throughout the film he has, he's no interest and and black widow's personality type and as her namesake suggests she's just going to be a flirtatious killer spy so yeah, she has but at no the same way time she she gets this like this she look. has no interest in him but i can tell you like just because there's a look in there does not mean it insinuates anything well she, no and obviously they discredit that but what i'm saying is in throughout the entire movie you get this tension between these two characters that that just shouldn't have been there the thing about it is, is that that's her personality, and I think they're more trying to drive home the fact that that is her personality. That's why she excels at being a spy. Is that she is the wounded love interest that is secretly fucking you over all the time. She is a black widow. So, you just they just bug me. That's why. <laughs> well, and the thing is, you sh what you should have taken from it is more that that woman that was defending him, Agent Thirteen, in the hall she gave him a certain look and that's the one you should have taken home because he gave her a look back. Yeah. Well, no, I, I get that. And yeah. like I was, I'm not saying that there, that there was a tension, like mm -hmm. Captain America was like, Oh, I want that. No, yeah. it's, it's obvious. Captain America was just kind of like, 
You're being a weird person. Exactly. But at the same time, it was every time he did something to save her, she was I like, think she why was would shocked. you do that for me? I think more or less the way I looked at it with that was that she is bewildered. She is still bewildered by the skill set and capability of Cap because by at, the, at this point in the film series, she's only seen him in action during Avengers. She had like that's it, like and so, their missions and whatever. And, yeah, so like they, which you know, have only been alluded to, and they haven't shown him on screen time. So if you're looking at just screen time, it was just Avengers and Cap two, and she's still shocked that he is as good as he is at what he does. And what he does is freaking be a great spy soldier character who wants the best for everyone. Um, but I'm also excited to see them really, because what they're going to have to do with it is delve into Cap's morals. Like, that's the cool part about this is we get to see Cap's moral set come out harder, like more than ever. Um, we also and get then to we get to watch them degrade. On both sides. We get to see Stark continue to go downhill because, like, you know, he created Ultron. He did a bunch of stuff, which is why he's going to feel guilty. Like, that's that's the sad part, is that the whole Ultron thing happened the way it did just so that they could make this film happen and that he's going to be guilty. He's going to feel guilt towards that event, and that's what's going to be the driving force because they're not going to have the storyline of him being drunk and wastedly destroying a city accidentally as he flies around because he's all disoriented, hitting every building along the path of his, you know, chasing a villain. So since they don't have the demon in a bottle storyline, since they don't have the problem of his alcoholism because they limited that after Iron Man 2, they're going to have to go with the Ultron storyline of you created a monstrous robot that threatened to destroy the world and, well, now I feel guilty. Now I feel like I have to support this. And so we're going to see his morals degrade. We're going to see him create a prison just for superheroes and... Sadly, there's not a whole lot of superheroes, but they're going to try and create a prison to lock up, you know, the six, essentially. Um, I'm also interested to see uh, Bucky and Cap back together and see the quippy banter that they have because it was pretty decent in the first one. Like, their dialogue was pretty good in the first movie. So I'm excited to see them back together actually talking rather than just a fist fight on a helicarrier. Or fist fight in the street that was really cool. That was a really good. I still think about that fight, man. It's such a good fight, especially the the knife play. The knife play is the best freaking part. Like he, boom, boom drop, catch. <laughs> I mean, the damn. cool part is like I've I've watched all the behind the scenes and just watching him and he was training on that for months. He was just doing flipping the knife in the car, just practicing, being able to drop and catch it every angle he could, and it showed. That guy was great. Well, in that whole movie, like Cap was the one. More specifically, um, Chris Evans. What's funny is, to, to go on a little side tangent, is the combat in that film escalated the way it did in, in such a really well-done manner because they gave him a controller and told him to play the Captain America game that was coming out around the same time. And he saw the maneuvers that they made the character do in the game. The, the throwing of the disc while doing a bunch of fighting and then catching it midway through the fight and continuing the combat. And he was like, why haven't I done this in the movies, really? like, it's Yeah, because in Cap 1, you see him throw it a couple of times, but he always throws it and then basically stands there and catches, waits for it. Like, just catches it right away. Or he'll throw it and continue running right where he threw it for it to rebound and come right back to him. Like, he doesn't really delineate. He just stays in that linear pattern. And hell, even in Avengers, like, he barely got into the whole notion of, of using it like a weapon. <coughs> um, it was only in Cap 2 when he finally was like, no, I need to be able to throw this up, 
leap up onto the balcony, knock out like two guys, catch it after it knocks out a third guy, and slam it into the fourth one. And that was what was really missing from the films was that level of brutality, that level of impact that you had in that movie. You When he hit someone, you heard it. You felt it. So I'm excited to see that progress because you know that's going to happen. They also played to his to his strength and everything mm-hmm. in, in this one too because whenever you see him fight in the first one, you see him fight and you're like, oh, okay, pretty much anybody can fight Captain America. Yeah. And then you see him whenever he gets on the boat in the in the second one, like first oh thing, God. whenever he drop kicks that guy oh, and the yeah. guy literally bends the rail and flies mm-hmm. over it, like, yep. I mean, you you finally get to see it. And then you see the other guy mm-hmm. who who fights him. and Bat he, truck, yep. Yeah, and he, he's like, okay, let's fight on equal grounds. And he gives him a fair chance, but he still kicks his ass. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean... George Batrock, even in the comics, has always been a C-class villain, so to speak. He's more or less a mercenary who uses uh, that French kickboxing technique, the the one that uses a lot of very stabby motions. I forget the name of it off the top of my head. Um, but uh, he uses that, and he's a superhuman who his only really superhuman ability is that his legs are overdeveloped, like way beyond human levels. And so he's, he's known in the comics as Batrock the Leaper, because he can leap entire like building lengths, no problem. And he used that in his combat by using insane leg strength. And that's what they tried to show off in the movie. And I think they did an okay job at it. It's just they could have done a little bit better. I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad I that just they, wish they, they would have shown it a little bit a little bit more strength from his kicks. I still love that they showed that he got his ass kicked because that's how he is in the comics. He still gets his ass handed to him. But I'm glad that they didn't, you know. I'm glad that Captain America was able to take that. And then whenever you find out that, oh, my God, this guy was actually ridiculously strong in the leg mm-hmm. area, the kicks, you it, it only adds to the fact that Captain America I'll is give that, you that strong. Uh, the only thing I would have liked to have seen maybe was like him go up against one of the other S.H.I.E.L.D. agents that's dropping in, and we get to see him fly. And then you go, okay, this guy's got some leg strength. And then the combat happened the way it did. That would have been a, probably a better way to approach that scene. But I would, I'm, Even if that didn't work out, I would like to have seen him jump. Something, yeah, exactly. So whenever he leaves, a, instead of like jumping over the, like, like just yeah, you know, like hopping, eh, hopping yeah. over the, hopping over the rail, it would have been nice to see him actually like some all right, deuces of, and just boom, and some jump level of acceleration in his, uh, in his ability. But yeah, um, so I don't know, I don't know, I'm, I'm afraid that people are going with high expectations on this film, um, in the sense that they are expecting the comic, and that's just not going to happen. That's unreasonable at that point. I'm excited for the movie. Coming in from a blind perspective from exactly. the Civil War era. Yep. So, in my opinion, I, I think that's a better way to go. Um, I mean, it, even, it plays even, off what they've already introduced, and that's what they needed to do. But I, I, th- I think it's a better thing, like, I would maybe wait until after the movie to actually read the comics. Just because, like you said, I, I wouldn't want my hopes to be raised up, like, oh my god, I want to see this, or yeah, oh my god, yeah, I want to see exactly. that. exactly. Even if it's like small things, you know, like I think it's important to take a little snapshots from the comic. Like you're obviously gonna have to change characters with every scene you do. But what's cool is like you can take a snapshot from the comic and see like, oh, this is the new Avengers base. It turns out it's just like a one of Nick Fury's many hideout locations that he has. And that's just one of his many that's where the new Avengers set up their camp. In this case, it's Cap's team. So we'll be able to see something akin to that. Um We'll see that it connects to sewers. It's one of those things where you want to see more of the scenery from this book 
And you should expect that. You should expect at least the scenery from the book and very much the locales involved. But you won't see nearly as many heroes. You won't see nearly as many superpowers in every fight scene. That's the, the downside from taking from the comic book angle. But I think it works great for the espionage angle and the fact that we'll still probably see a, a brawl in Times Square. I'm excited to see how, how they put this together, but I'm also excited that it's not running the same as the comics in the sense that the comics, it's Captain America. Steve mm-hmm. Rogers, Captain America, they're the same person. Yep. In the movie, we are watching Chris Evans as Captain America. Yeah, that's true. As Steve Rogers. Same thing with Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark. Yep. I am glad that they bring their own elements to these characters, and I'm yep. excited to see how well, they... Well, we're not getting Hank Pym Ant-Man either. That's the cool part, is we're getting the second Ant-Man, Scott Lang. Yeah, and, and so we get to hear Hank Pym's opinions because he'll probably be involved in some form, even if it's just a phone call. Jarvis. Yeah. It'll I mean, be like Jarvis and Kind of, yeah, probably. Or to some degree. I don't know if he'll actually be there, though, because honestly, like, they might be trying to keep him out of it because he's working with his daughter to make the new Wasp suit at the same time. Okay. So I don't really, I mean, it could just be that uh, because of the scene from Ant-Man where Ant-Man meets Falcon, that Falcon brings him in on this uh, very secretly. But who knows? Like, it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out and what that... Because the big thing is, like, what is the the effect of this film? What does it bring out for the ending storyline? I mean... I also want to see War Machine go back to uh, stealing black, not... Well... The Iron Patriot. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and what's disappointing? What's funny? A little Easter egg for you. Um, You know in uh, Avengers 2... Uh, when they're at the dinner party and War Machine is just talking up and he's like, oh, and I did this and he was telling his little story about being War Machine and all the Avengers don't give a shit but then every other person at the party kind of was like laughing and thinking it was great. That's actually a comic book that they released with Iron Man 2 or no, with Avengers, the first one that told the story of why he wasn't in the Avengers because he was in China saving China from AIM. And so what's funny is he's telling that story at dinner parties in the movie. So they're actually going really meta and using other storylines they've written. But that also featured in that comic Stark's revision, which became the Iron Patriot for the sake of just that's the movie, which I was really disappointed in how all of Iron Man 3 turned out. I've discussed this at length before, but that being said, yes, we will see the the slate and and graphite color back uh, finally. Um, The proper... War Machine. The one thing I'm really hoping for too is that I don't think they'll do it, but I want his chest light to be red again because that's the that's the color of War Machine, is the red light in contrast to Stark's blue. Yeah, I I, I want to see that. I know it's subtle, but it's one of those weird things that does play a big role in terms of art presentation. I also, I don't know, I don't know if I noticed it in Avengers too, but does he still have the thing in his chest? He Avengers got it removed. Two. He got it removed in uh, in three. In three, so yeah, Avengers but I just two can't didn't have it because I know Avengers one had points in it where he just didn't have it, and I think that was like a video editing yeah. issue. Yeah, because so. yeah, they're, because they're, they made it a big plot point when Loki tries to take over his mind with the whole like, oh, and he makes the joke about erectile dysfunction towards him and yeah, yeah. Okay. that whole that whole scene was reliant on him having the arc reactor but uh yeah so i'm just curious because like coming out of this we're probably gonna have stark incarcerated or no rogers incarcerated more than likely i think there's gonna be a civil war part two uh no 
they've already got planned through 2020. They're not going to do it. Um, what I do think is that the fallout of this will affect everything to come until Infinity War. And I think what will happen is Winter Soldier will be on the run. Ant-Man will be back with uh, Wasp and Pym. I think um, Hawkeye will be fine with his family. Uh, I think there will be some uh, resolutions involved, though. Like, I feel like uh, the only one, like, I think Rogers will turn himself in for the amnesty of all of his other friends, his teammates. Um, I think Rogers will be incarcerated until Infinity War, which we don't even have, we know, there's no Iron Man 4, there's no, you know, Thor Ragnarok is going to be set in the Nine Realms, so you don't have to worry about that at all. Um, Just kind of going through the slate, uh, every other character is going to kind of come out of this normal, but kind of in their own way, their own thing. But I think Rogers will be incarcerated, and I think that'll play a huge role in what will happen in Avengers 3. Um, Yeah, I'm pretty stoked for it, though. I concur, Doctor. As always, you guys can reach us at geekdominationlisteners at gmail.com. You can check out our Facebook, our Twitter. Our Twitter is uh, at geekdomination. That's G-3-3-K-D-O-M-I-N-A-T-I-O-N. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Jazzman4, J-A-Z-Z-M-A-N-4. Um, go to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash geekdomination. Uh, yeah, and then always check out Anthony's Twitch streams every Tuesday at 7 p.m. over at twitch.tv slash geekdominationstreams, all one word. Um, lastly, you can always go over to our website, geekdomination.net, find out more stuff from our news page. You can find more of my articles. You can find a great little how-to get into comics if you want to try and start reading new issues, back issues, paperbacks, how to, how to read a comic, too, because some people still have issues with that. Um, all that's there, and you'll find the actual appended article to this podcast as well there. Um, I will post links below and wherever else, but uh, yeah, guys, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you next time. Later, guys.